Today on Students Over Systems, we're celebrating keeping the National School Choice Week celebration going. Senator Tim Scott shares why he advocates for education freedom and his vision for K-12 education. Welcome to Students Over Systems. I'm your host, Jenny Gentles. This is a podcast that celebrates education freedom. At Students Over Systems, we sell, we talk with the creators, advocates, and beneficiaries of education freedom. And on today's episodes, we talk with Senator Tim Scott, who is a United States Senator from the great state of South Carolina. Senator Scott grew up in a poor single parent household in North Charleston, South Carolina. Graduated from Charleston Southern University and eventually built his own successful small business. He served in the Charleston County Council, the South Carolina House of Representatives, the U.S. House of Representatives, and since 2013, the United States Senate. Senator Scott is the co-founder of the Congressional School Choice Caucus and an incredible champion for education freedom. Senator Scott, thank you so much for joining us on Students Over Systems. Thank you, Jenny. Thank you for having me. I look forward to our conversation. Well, I'm really excited to be talking with you about school choice, about education freedom, and about a statement that I hear you make, um, and that is that education is the closest thing to magic in America. What, what do you mean by that? Well, we, we all look for that secret sauce to make your life really, really powerful and positive and prosperous. And to me, education is that panacea. If there's a way for us to design a formula that works for people, no matter whether you're rich or poor, black or white, whether you're in the upper echelons or you're starting at the bottom of the ladder, the truth is the quality of your education will be the key to unlocking the most amazing future you've ever dreamed of. And that's good news. You're no longer, uh, you're no longer relegated to the lower levels because of the color of your skin or because of your parents' income. You can choose the quality of your future by having a parent choose the quality of your education. Absolutely. Well, before we delve into the specifics of education policy, let's talk a little yes. bit about your personal K-12 education experience. What was school like for you? You know, my, my, I went to four different elementary schools by the fourth grade. Uh, there's a transient nature in poverty that is a powerful headwind for so many single mothers like the one that raised me. My mom worked 16 hours a day as a nurse's aide, changing bedpans and rolling patients. Uh, her picture of my future was to make sure that I was equipped with the right resources and, and education was a part of that resourcing. Once that happened, my future blossomed. Until that happened, I kind of stumbled along the way. It's one of the reasons why I struggled in high school because I didn't see really a bright future. But once I understood that power in tomorrow gives me motivation today, I was able to dig in and from my sophomore year on, I did really well and ended up on the right side of the tracks. I say that because my freshman year eh, didn't do so well. I've heard about that freshman year. There was a civics, yes. civics class that gave you a hard time, right? <laughs> yes, yeah, study, the study of government was not my strong suit. And so failing civics, and I'm not bilingual, but bi-ignorant because I failed both Spanish and English. Uh, I was not a good student, but my teacher taught me a very valuable lesson, Jenny. She said, I'm going to grade you based on your performance, not your potential. I was trying to convince her, trust me, my potential is unlimited. She was like, son, do the work first. We'll get to your potential later. So it was a really good lesson. Better to learn it as a freshman in high school than later in life. 
Well, Senator Scott, you often say that when it comes to education, when parents have a choice, students have a chance. Yes. What kind of what kind of choice are you talking about there? Well, when I say that, what I mean is parents need a cafeteria, cafeteria of, of options. She needs to be able to choose between a public school, a public charter school, a private school, uh, a religious school, like a Catholic school, homeschool, virtual school. We need to give her as many options as possible. And when we do that, the kids will have a better chance of succeeding at life. So parents, choice, kids, chance. Some formulas are really simple, and this is one of the more simple ones. I think it's it's helpful to kind of cut through the um, the the myths and the policy discussions yes. and the and the just the outright lies out there and make it really clear when parents have a choice, students have a chance. And you are Absolutely. very well acquainted with the situation that students can get themselves into when they don't have a chance, when they feel hopeless. So I feel like yes. when I hear you talk about this issue, you are talking about school choice providing hope, just infusing joy and hope that freedom um, that freedom offers. Uh, have you seen this firsthand? I know that you're quite good about going to visit schools in Charleston and beyond. Well, Jenny, every month I try When school is in, I try to be in a different school every month. And this past Friday, I had an opportunity to visit a school in Charleston. Uh, Charleston, And this school was a fantastic school. It was actually the, the tuition was indexed to the income. So there is no barrier to getting into this school based on your income. I thought that was wonderful. Also, seeing the bright faces and knowing what they're learning as kindergartners and first grade, I was excited about their future. But number two, I thought about working single mothers who want a safe place for their kids to go, but also a place where the education is top tier. This school provided, a charter school, provided their kids with top-tier education. That means they're going to have a top-tier life. I think we misunderstand the power of hope in the process of choosing your schools. One of the things, if you really want to understand school choice from a negative perspective, 70% of those incarcerated can only read at a fourth-grade level. Functional illiteracy is the reality in our populations that are incarcerated around the country. Changing that one outcome, I think, would lower the incarcerated population and increase those experiencing human flourishing at the very best, at the highest levels. Well, historically, school choice programs have been focused on serving low-income kids, kids who were relegated to residentially assigned failing government schools. So those were the students who were potentially on a school-to-prison pipeline pathway because they were not learning how to read. Um, And uh, and so now we have education options in in numerous states um, due to that initial focus on serving low-income kids. There are 45 states with charter school laws, over 30 states with private school choice programs. And then um, some districts offer open enrollment, magnet schools with specialized programs. And then there are newer programs now, like micro schools and and learning pods. Um, With that initial focus on serving low-income kids, what sort of impact have have you seen? Have you been able to to look into um, options and and how they've benefited those those low-income populations? Absolutely. When you think about the uh, Title I schools throughout America, Title I basically means underperforming, typically poor schools, largely 
unfortunately, in majority minority areas. Those schools are underperforming. Those kids uh, seem to be in that pipeline to incarceration or at the very least a lower level of income and, and lifestyle. So with school choice being embedded in some of those areas, in Charleston specifically, we have the Meeting Street Academy. Uh, it's a private school that has a tuition, very affordable for working single mothers. These kids are outperforming all the other Title I schools in their area, so much so that Charleston County gave this program to public schools to see if they could perform as well. Good news is within three years, those schools and those kids are in the top 20% countrywide. Fantastic news. There's the Success Academy in New York City, 87% African-American and Hispanic. And those kids actually outperform majority kids in New York City. It just says equipped with the right schools, with the right apparatus, love, hope, and a whole lot of hard work. Katie bar the door or the sky's the limit. Right. And so those individual students are benefiting. The kids across the schools that you're talking about are benefiting. But studies have shown, and I think there are uh, 26 studies now, including a recent one out of Ohio, that students in the, in the nearby public schools are benefiting too. So this is the idea of a rising tide lifts all, lifts all, boats. all boats. And I, I, I always <laughs> get the sense that that's your vision too. You're not about saving one individual child. You really want uh, systemic change. You want, you want to see that all children to have that hope and that freedom and, and, a, and a different and, and brighter future. So what yes. do you think needs to happen to expand these options so that all, all students are going to benefit? Well, Jenny, let me hit that point before we move on to the next point, because I think what you said is so important and so powerful. A monopoly typically lowers the quality and increases the cost. What you're talking about is in proximity to a school choice program, the public schools get better because competition increases the results and reduces the price. Mm -hmm. So that's a big key. Second, our nation benefits when all of our kids have quality education. So the future of America depends on highly educated, skilled students who become high-functioning adults in the greatest nation on God's green earth. And so the outcome is going to be predicated by the input. This is a civil law that if we understand and embrace it, we get the results that are in the best interest of the child, of the schools, and of our nation. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. So what do we do to, to expand these options? There are so many barriers that have been put in the way of, of these programs, of, the, of these children. Yes. Um, so even though we've been doing this for 30 years, uh, the you know, first private school choice program was created in Milwaukee, Wisconsin yes. over 30 years ago, and charter schools have been a, a, around for decades. There are still these barriers. What do we need yeah. to do to, to push through those? Well, some of the legislation I've been working on, I, I first visited Milwaukee in 2009 to understand and appreciate the significant impact that school choice was having on some of the poorest kids in the state of, of, of Wisconsin. And one of the things I realized was coming out of it is we needed more programs around the country to address more of the challenges that we see. And so lately, Senator Cassidy and I have sponsored and co-sponsored legislation that would provide more resources to parents to have more options. As an example, you may be able to figure out the tuition, but can you have the transportation to get the child there? The more flexibility we embed in legislation that allows for parents to have 
the use of the money for uh, enrollment or for transportation, the better off the kid will be. So we're working on programs, legislation that creates more resources, but makes those resources flexible for the parents to decide what's the best use of those dollars. I love that idea of, of flexibility and acknowledging the reality. This isn't just about one thing, tuition. There yes. are multiple educational expenses that parents encounter. It could be tuition. The student might also need therapies. They might need a uniform, as you mentioned, transportation Absolutely. and uh, textbooks. There are uh, numerous educational expenses. And so we're seeing new programs like education savings accounts come on the scene that acknowledge that reality. It's not just about a voucher or to cover tuition. There are uh, a range of of, of expenses. And then there are a range of options. Parents might might want to explore different options, not just the uh, participating private schools in a, in a particular program. Um, I would also say that, that ensuring that a greater percentage of the funding follows the child. You've been uh, in the school choice world for a long time. I feel like early on, we were always bragging that, that, that the, the charter schools or the different options could educate the child for less. Well, yes. you know, maybe, maybe when the public school is spending something like $30,000 per child in a city and you're saying, I'll take a voucher for $6,000, that's not in the best interest of, of the child. So, uh, I appreciate what you're doing to look into federal funding options that can also follow the children in addition to to state dollars following the child. Um, exactly. Yeah, let's talk. And about- Jenny, to your point, yes. though, uh, by the way, uh, Title One dollars, the, the bulk of the money that comes for poor kids living in poor zip codes, as you said, the beginning of school choice was focused on those poor kids in Title One schools, making those dollars backpackable would be helpful. Backpacking your Title II dollars for special needs kids is really important as well. However, making school choice and competition a part of the overall environment and education is really good for the global competition that we are today either mediocre or frankly losing in the education space. Right. We do have to, to not pause and, and pat ourselves on the back, uh, yes. when it comes to, to looking at, at international rankings. It's, it's embarrassing. And a lot That's of those terrible. rankings were from before the COVID era when this learning loss crisis just exploded across our country. Yes. I, I wanted to talk about, uh, your, um, involvement in the charter school program. You're a huge champion for creating and expanding education options for students. Um, historically, charter schools have been focused on serving low-income students. Um, they, they serve other students as well. And the charter school program, the federal startup money that's provided, uh, allows those charter schools to get them funds that they need to get going um, yes. and then to expand proven models. But the Biden administration doesn't like that funding. Um, what are the Tell us about about your your work with uh, protecting the charter school program. Yeah, I've been very frustrated with this administration and their inability to understand basic math. One out of four, nearly one out of four high-performing high schools is a charter school. This administration wants to shut down charter schools and starve them of the resources necessary to have parents given the choice and the kids given that very important chance. We are pushing back on the Biden administration through letters, through conferences, and through building a team. Thankfully, governors around the country, including my home state of South Carolina, Governor Kim Reynolds in Iowa, have done a fantastic job of building out new systems around choice. This administration is literally crippling 
charter schools, which means that they are jeopardizing the future of the kids in these schools. We deserve better as Americans. And so we have to fight tooth and nail to make sure we get it. Well, thank you so much for your advocacy for that uh, that particular program and for expanding education options. I have to say, I've been really fortunate over the years. I'm often in the back of the room uh, when we bring a group of young people to come talk to you. Um, and these are young people who've benefited from school choice programs. And I've gotten to listen to you talk. I've also had the opportunity to hear you speak at numerous events and conferences. And every time you speak about this topic, you honor your mother in such a beautiful and, and loving way. Um, could you talk a little bit about her role in your life and how how she's influenced your views on on this topic? on education freedom? You know, my mother struggled when she was a student in high school and she went to work after she got married. And then when they got divorced, I will say my mother worked 16 hours a day, as I said earlier, as a nurse's aide. She taught me that there is dignity in all work. She taught me to have a work ethic. It's because of her that I'm sitting here with you today. More importantly, she always taught me, along with my grandfather, that readers are leaders. And so they continue to push me in the direction of taking individual responsibility for how well I did in the classroom. I couldn't choose my school, but I could choose my performance in school. And she would not allow me to fail. And when I did poorly my freshman year, she made me pay for my summer school. That was a very important lesson at 13 to 14 years old. And so my mother's always been the person who has a Ph.D. in common sense. And she used it on my behalf. I'm so thankful to have been raised by a powerful, positive woman who understood you have to encourage your child. And sometimes you have to choose a different form of encouragement. Uh, And she did it all. I love that. As we wrap up, Senator Scott, I'm wondering what school choice myth really bothers you the most and how do you respond to it? Well, the biggest school choice myth that really gets under my skin is that we are anti-public schools. We're not anti-public schools. Those of us in the movement, we're anti-bad schools. We're anti-underperforming schools. We're anti-failing schools. We are pro-child, pro-education, and pro-the future of America. And so that one thing gets under my skin because it is just antithetical to what we believe and who we are. Absolutely. Thank you so much, Senator Scott, for all that you're doing as uh, director or founder of the Congressional School Choice Caucus, as the leader of the, uh, of the defense of the charter school program and the author of numerous pieces of legislation that ensure that funding follows students and that we're funding students, not systems. Um, I'm so grateful for all that you do. Thank you, ma'am. Yes, we will continue our celebration of National School Choice Week at numerous events on Capitol Hill sponsored by you. So thank you for that too, Senator Scott. We hope that listeners found today's conversation informative and encouraging. If you enjoyed this episode of Students Over Systems, please consider leaving a review on your favorite podcast app. And don't forget to share this episode with your friends. To learn more about the work of IWF's Education Freedom Center, please visit iwf.org slash EFC. That's iwf.org slash EFC. And we thank you for listening to Students Over Systems. Until next time, keep prioritizing students over systems.